Tis the Sleepers Podcast, January 11th, Thursday. Uh, big night. Both our teams play basketball tonight. We got previews up on the channel. Michigan State, Illinois. Michigan without Doug McDaniel uh, at Maryland in a miserable battle. That should be fun. Uh, Carter, how's your stomach today? The cookie challenge is over. Can we get a little recap on how it went, how you're feeling, all of that? Uh, my stomach sounded all day yesterday like the blue man group concert um it was, it was not feeling good um if anyone's seen what's that what's that one uh broadway production where they like play a bunch of like um like trash cans and stuff you know what i'm talking about was that like stomped i think it's maybe stomp i think that's what it is yeah that's that's what my intestines were doing yesterday uh i was not in a good place spent majority of my my day in an area that was not uh, out in public and because of all the sugar and the cookies uh, I was unable to sleep last night I was jittery um, if there's any Ahoy family members listening to this podcast I want to see you uh, you guys are frauds and your cookies suck huh okay how many cookies did you end up actually eating 55 really disastrous end to your performance yesterday let me say that mm -hmm. I mean you also, no. I don't think you ate 55. Didn't you eat 45? No, nah, 55. Okay. You actually ate them all. Mm -hmm. We just didn't get documentation, even though we had very clear rule that you needed to eat them all on camera. Uh, that was for my own safety. You just stopped doing it. I I ate eight off camera because I was driving home. And yes. see, this is, well, I, I could not have been clearer on that rule, though, right? Like, I mean, I have. Ahoy cookies. Like, do I need to eat eight? Do I need to eat no, eight? No, I'm done. I, I never want to see you eat an Ahoy cookie again. I just, like, we set the rule before you started this endeavor. We were very clear on what had to happen. And then you got to the 90% finish moment in this whole experience. And you just gave up on the rule. Like, you were, you were like, I'm going to go to the gym and eat cookies on camera. And then instead you were like, here's number 46. I'm going to eat 10 more. See you guys later. And we never saw you eat the cookies. Like I truly in my heart of hearts do not believe you ate the cookies. I ate the cookies. I'm going to have to take you for your word, I guess, which was not the terms of this entire arrangement. So it's like, you know, it, it's, it's what Michigan football did. Like, did they win the championship? Sure. Did you eat 140 cookies? Sure. There's a massive asterisk on the way this went down. Hey, it's fine. Well, I'm going to celebrate it. Like it's the championship. Then I don't care. All right. Um, well, I'll keep your insides and my thoughts and prayers today. Hey, yo. Uh, is that it for food challenges for us for a while? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's it for food challenges. I think it's it for food challenges, like involving like processed uh, chemical cookies. Uh, but like, Maybe we have like a something that's a little bit healthier. Maybe we have a broccoli challenge. Looking back on it, would you have changed anything? Uh, you went for the chewy version of the cookies, which a lot of people said was a massive mistake, including me. I hate Chips Ahoy, though. That's the thing. Like, I hate the blue package Chips Ahoy. I also hate chewy Chips Ahoy, which I realize now. I, there, it was a lose-lose situation for me. So if there was an easier chip, an easier cookie to eat, I probably should have went with that. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I just, I feel like your entire 
performance should be filled with regret based on how it finished. That's how I feel. Um, but you know, good job. Uh, I left very unsatisfied as a viewer, as I'm sure many of our viewers did yesterday. So would you like to give them any parting words based on how the finish went down? You didn't eat 55 cookies. Kiss my ass. Okay. All right. You want to go to your YouTube comment of the day? I do. Uh, and this is one that keeps coming up um, a lot, actually. And I just want to know your thoughts on it or if it's going to be addressed so we can just address it right now. Uh, this one comes from Gergenheimer. While you're at it, updating the Illinois logo, can you switch to the Purdue current logo? That train hasn't been used in over 10 years. There seems to be a lot of backlash on the Illinois I logo that you're using and the Purdue logo. Do you have any statements on that at this time? Yeah, I do. The current logos suck. So <laughs> I'll use the logos I want to use. Like, I'm sorry. Um, if you don't like throwback logos, first of all, that's your issue. Throwback logos are awesome. Like in general, like find me a throwback logo that isn't great. And I'll, I'll name you a liar. Like I, I don't get it. All throwback logos are sweet. These are YouTube thumbnails. Like what are we doing? I'm not like a brand guidelines guy when it comes to us making YouTube thumbnails for our 10 minute game recaps. Like, I, and by the way, like I, the Purdue. So what I do when I do this behind the curtains if you search for a logo on Google, the easiest, quickest way to get it to pop up without seeing a bunch of bullshit, and I'm talking for the transparent version to pop up, because if you just search a logo, an image with a white background will pop up, and you have to remove the background. It takes a whole process. It sucks. So you want the transparent logo. And if you just Google Purdue logo transparent, a bunch of different versions will come up that aren't high quality, high resolution. The quickest way to get the transparent logo is to Google Purdue logo wiki because Wikipedia uses transparent logos that are high quality, high resolution. I've been doing this for years with every graphic I've made outside of sleepers and inside of sleepers. So I do that. When you do that, often a primary logo will pop up and then some secondary logos will pop up from other teams. There are very specific schools that if you do the wiki logo for they don't look good or they're lower resolution. Purdue is one. North Carolina is another one. You'll notice that if we go to the North Carolina previews and recaps, I'm using a throwback North Carolina logo that personally I think is much better looking than their stupid NC that's just an N and a C because the resolution quality stinks. So if you would like Purdue to have their normal logo, which is much less cool than the logo I'm currently using with the train, uh, have someone update their Wikipedia page with a higher resolution logo. And from the Illinois standpoint, their block eye that's like a dark burnt orange sucks. And the uh, the one that says Illinois on it is a lighter color. It looks better on thumbnails. That's why I use it. I'm not, I am not. can't believe I had to address this. This is ridiculous. I, I mean, I kind of like the look behind the curtain. And for a secondary comment, this actually comes from at Carter Elliott 34. Uh I'm going to need you to take 10 to 15 seconds to fix, fix the hair. What's going on here with like the front of this pop. Yeah. Like what, what you look like a peacock. What's wrong with that? What is that? Like, I, I thought we were going with the Kutcher, like forward, like let it drip on the front. This isn't Kutchery enough for you. I feel like you got to tuck that or something. You want it tucked? I mean, let's do it. Just a quick chat. It's going to be bad, but whoa, we don't want to go down. Uh, yeah, so uh, this is this is bedhead is what it is. That's bed hair. 
I mean, it's I, 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 it was fine. I'm good with the backwards hat. It was just like a little bit. It was a little Roman Reigns or Roman. You want me to go it? front hat? I can front hat the rest of the episode. Uh, look, bedhead woke up. I was on morning Murph duty today. That's what it was. Normally, my wife does that. We've been going to bed early this week for God knows what reason, which is why these episodes come out late. So. Yeah, I don't know. I was on Murph duty this morning, so my wife could go to the gym. Uh, that meant wake up, no shower. That means I'm tired. That means I have bedhead. Took her to my parents, came back, didn't shower because we were supposed to record. You delayed 45 minutes. Now here we are. You want me to apologize for my hair? Like, no, no, that's what we're not. doing. Okay, all right, uh, all right. Thanks YouTube today. Appreciate it. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, to the Discord. If you want to join the Discord, there's a link in the description. A couple more new. Uh, entries joiners this week feels really good uh okay to the comments first one from travis nelson he says my radical college basketball take pro playoffs are always at the higher seed so it makes sense to have some home and away games if the conference tournaments are neutral ncaa tournament is neutral then all games should be neutral purdue shouldn't be punished for losing at nebraska could cost them or anyone seeding for being a bad road team who cares if you are when there are no road playoff games it will never happen would kill great college environments but i support this take so i believe if i'm understanding this correct he wants to abolish home and away games I don't, why though i don't really under, I, I mean that might be just maybe over my level of comprehension i why do you want to, i don't i don't understand why it's like he's saying it, it shouldn't matter for a resume standpoint if the postseason games are neutral why does home and away performance matter um yeah i travis i love you i think this is my least favorite take i've ever heard from anyone about anything <laughs> wow. I we want to get rid of home venues in college basketball. You might as well ask me if you can shoot my daughter in the forehead next. Like this is ridiculous. Um no. <laughs> Please, no. My word. Well, like imagine a world where you can't go watch your team play at their home venue. Yeah, that doesn't make I don't yeah, that doesn't that makes a negative sense to me. I think the the better flip on that would be that NCAA tournament games should be played at home or away venues. Imagine you're the higher seeded team, so you get to host a home game. That'd be fire. You think Purdue would lose to Fairleigh Dickinson in Mackey Arena? Like I I think Purdue would be nine time defending national champions. I would go for that honestly uh so honestly Trav, i might have been too harsh we, we might have just spun travis's idea into an idea we love jesse says of all the blue blood schools yes many have been down for a while whose fan base is most likely to storm the court after a win over a number one team my guess is indiana as they proved last year against purdue and i think ucla what do you think For some reason, the sneaky first choice that came to my mind is Kentucky. Just the most passionate, I think, there. Yeah, like I just feel like Kentucky fans might. Yeah, I could see that. Um, so I think I, – I wouldn't consider Indiana a blue blood, I don't think. Um, we've had that conversation. But if you are considering them a blue blood, then I guess the answer is Indiana. Um I don't think North Carolina storms the court against Duke. Jesse said that as a follow-up comment. He said there's a scenario that I could see UNC court storming against a number one Duke. If Carolina was going to court storm, they would have done it when they beat K. Did they, did they not, for some reason in my head, did they not storm the court when Austin Rivers hit that game winner? I don't think so, but I don't know. 
I might have to go back and look at that, but yeah, yeah, for the most part, no. Didn't they? Because they beat K in Carolina, right? Or no? No, they beat K on Coach K night in Cameron. Didn't they beat them before earlier that season too, though? Or no? Did they split that year? Uh, I think they. Oh, no, they. So they... North Carolina lost to Duke at home this year. So I'm wrong on that. Maybe if there was one, they would have. I think they would have stormed when they beat K the final year, mm-hmm. but didn't happen. Uh, okay. Fam says white or brown rice. Um, so to pull my nutritional hat on and debunk some things, both are just rice. Like as far as health wise, like it's more of a preference thing. Uh, some people have the, uh, the mindset that, oh, it's brown rice. It's healthier. That's not necessarily the case. It's a preference thing. There's not really much difference between the two, like nutritional wise. Personally, I'm a brown rice guy, just how I've always rocked. But like I enjoy white rice as well. Love a good little Trader Joe's three minutes in the in the microwave uh, bag of jasmine rice slaps with any other you know chicken meat that you put with it. When you eat rice, what utensil do you use to eat rice? I mean, I use a fork. I'm not Hannibal Lecter. So I have a I have a rice theory for you. Oh, here we go. What do you use? A spork? Eating. Rice with a fork makes no sense. You should eat with a spoon. And I highly do encourage. You eat, do you eat your rice with a spoon? I do. I encourage anybody who eats rice to eat it with a spoon. Think about it, right? Like little rice pellets or whatever you call it are falling through the fork every time you use the fork. Like you're you're you missing are, like ten rice pellets every time a, you take a bite with a fork. You're a thirty year old father. And you're eating rice with a spoon. It's just efficiency. Like you are it's losing rice. It's the principle. It's the no, principle. You're losing rice. You're you're dropping mid bite rice. You're making a mess if you're eating it like on the go. It's a mess. Can you at least can you can you at least use Murph's spork thing? No, I'm, we're not a spork household. What are we savages? We have spoons and forks, and you use the most applicable one when you're eating something. See, that's the what the real take is that spork should be a thing. Yeah, I'm here for that for a different day. Uh, I White or brown rice depends on what I'm eating. Um, like, what am I eating with it? Is it a pure side? Then give me brown rice. Like, if I'm just eating it on its own, I'll go brown rice. If it's, like, with, like, a chicken dish or, like, I'm mixing something or laying a bed of it on top of the rice, then I would typically go white. Uh, shout out Uncle Ben, by the way. Uncle Ben been a big, big figure in our household for years. I love his game. I'm a fan of his game. Uh, with that said... I've never found myself itching for rice. Like you will not once hear me be like, Hey babe, we should make some rice for dinner tonight. Never. Rice is a staple of every single meal I eat. Yeah. I mean, it's as necessary as like a side table to me. It's like, like you're not going to have a living room without a side table, but it's never the story. It's never the story. You agree with me there, too. You're not going to argue that. Bye, Bins. Says, uh, you guys said in your recap that this year is eerily like last year. This may be an overreaction, but last year their second conference loss was their 13th game. This is about Purdue, I believe. He says, what I'm wondering is if the Purdue profile didn't change enough. Is this a continuation of last year's relative struggles at the end of conference season? Big Ten got blown away first time through with Edie Lawyer-Smith. Second time through, the last 10 conference games, things got a lot closer. Will things get even closer this year, or am I overreacting to a small sample size? That's an interesting point. 
That is a very interesting point because it's definitely a you know second time through might be easier. Uh, they're not though because they got Lance Jones, so they'll they'll be fine. That's why they brought him here. Uh yeah, yeah. I just I think I think narratively it's very similar. Um, I think it's already close. I don't think it's going to get closer in the second half. I just think if it's familiarity, teams are familiar. I also will say this one. I was going to say that mostly all these teams and players are familiar with each other. That's just the nature of Big Ten play. Um, but also, I don't want to say it's for sure that eerily similar as last year until it's a bigger sample size. Like it's it's five games into the okay. season, five yeah, games in a Big Ten play. I'd say it's two and a half months into the season, and the game script, the season script, is identical. It's like like Breaking Bad just finished season three. And then came back and said, hey, let's do all the same things in season four and expected people like that's that that wouldn't be good. Like there's supposed to be a new villain. There's supposed to be someone new who dies. There's nothing here. There's Lance Jones. That's it. Like elite in the non-conference, they don't lose. Conference gets here. They can't win on the road. What do you want from me? Like that? What what happens in March? Is it going to switch up in March suddenly? I don't know. I, I should. I'm just confused by it. Um, some disrespect to me. On my pronunciation skills, by the way, I'd, I'd like you to take an opportunity to address whether or not I should be able to pronounce pretty simple words to pronounce before I pronounce a word that's very easy to pronounce. What word do you mispronounce? People thought that I would mispronounce the word quinoa. Oh, come on now. Are you a quinoa guy, by the way? No. What, what's your favorite grain? What's your favorite, like, starch? Are you a pasta guy? Like, what 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 are you? Uh, would say the grains and I don't get along too well, but pasta. Pasta? You have a favorite noodle kind? Yeah, I are haven't you really. Penne, are you a penne? Are you a penne? You know, uh, you know, what? What are you? I haven't really met a pasta I don't like. To be honest with you, it depends on what I'm in the mood for. Currently, my mood today, I could go for like a nice little lasagna tonight, like a little lasagna noodle, a little lasagna dish. Lasagna's fire. But uh. No, I I like penne for sure. Uh, angel hair, nice. Just classic spaghetti, solid. Uh, ravioli noodles can go like they they're all. It's all part of a balanced pasta you, portfolio. You like gnocchi, I'm a big gnocchi guy. I've never had that. Oh, gnocchi's good. Give that a go. My biggest thing with pasta is baked pasta is better than unbaked pasta. Like, obviously, you can just make regular pasta, and it's not going to be cold or anything. But like, you make a baked chicken pasta with some cheese layered put it in the oven pop it out that that goes yeah it is i love a, i love a good bake like a pasta bake mm, yeah mm -hmm. uh tristan says what about if carter fails this next challenge he has to eat one of my famous salads it is funny that we said no more food challenges and half this episode has been our food preferences yeah, uh, I would. I'm never eating a Tristan salad. For anyone who doesn't know Tristan and his salad uh, extravaganza, this man was eating rice, some type of meat that I can't identify, and like slices of Velveeta cheese melted on top with barbecue sauce, and calling it a salad, and being legitly serious about it. Uh, he's made strides since then when we first met him, but it was an alarming thing. Um, I'm glad we stuck it out because I love Tristan. Yeah. Wow. That was the nicest thing you've ever said about Tristan on camera. Uh, but I, I support that. Just trying to keep him up mentally with where his team's at right now. Yeah. Pitt, Pitt's bad. Yeah. Join the club. We have bad teams we root for too. Malik Perry says, Carter, before your next bet with Greg, 
Ask your wife first. I answer to no one except my wife. Then he says, uh, maybe I'm wired different because I don't see Purdue besides Edie as everyone else does. They don't give me. When Edie is gone, they will be the guys to take a leap. Oh, the roster The roster doesn't give him, quote, when Edie is gone, these will be the guys to take a leap. I love that Malise comments are like a fun little word riddle game every time that we got to figure out. It's like a hieroglyphic, man. It really is. It's fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. We talked about in the offseason. We're big believers in this roster without Zach Eady, and I'm pretty excited to see what it looks like. Uh, final yeah. comment today from Coy. I think this is a very appropriate comment for today. He says, is anyone good? Yeah, there's some good teams. There's some good teams. <laughs> After a 13-second pause. <laughs> there's some good teams. Who are the good teams? I think Purdue is good. I think UConn is good. Um, I it might stop after that. I don't know. There's good teams. Don't get me wrong, but like I don't know. I feel like I feel like after that, someone could argue with me whether that team is good or not. Is there a great team? Is anyone great? No, no great teams. I want to believe that Purdue is great. But based on the demons, I don't think I can. I want to believe that Arizona is great, but people won't let me. Yeah, it's fair, too. Um, well, all right. Okay. Thanks to the comment section today. Appreciate it. Let's get to our show. Carter, the news from yesterday. It's my team. Doug McDaniel is going to miss six games. Just the away games. Just the away games. Nothing else. Just the away games. Uh, this was released to the public via Doug McDaniel himself on his Instagram with an Instagram story post uh, that was quite colorful, for lack of a better word, I guess. I don't know. Uh, not exactly what I think uh, the Michigan PR department would approve of here, but I'm just going to read his post word for word. Uh, he says, we'll be serving a six away game suspension starting tomorrow. I'm active for every home game, though. Please don't DM me or ask me about it. Just respect it. We'll be back on the road next month. Till then, my brother's going to hold it down. It did not originally say brothers. Then it said, see y'all at home. Uh, I believe I broke this news, by the way. Like, as far as, like, college basketball reporter people go, I believe I'm the first one who had it. Like, I screenshotted Doug's post and said, per Doug McDaniel, Doug McDaniel will miss the next six away games. From there, the internet ran wild with this. Uh, what's going on with this? Why did this happen? I mean, why does Michigan basketball keep finding new ways to be odd this year? Why is that? Why is that the vibe? Juwan Howard. I mean, that's that's the answer. I, I mean, this just made, I've never heard of anything like this. And I believe that there was a statement that came out today that the reason is because of academics is that he can't travel. Is that is that? Is that true? Did you see that? Yeah, so the, we've talked about the rumors. I think we can be specific about it. The, the rumors were that Doug was going to be academically ineligible for the entire semester, which would mean he's out for the season. That was the rumor going back a week and a half ago. Um, it is now clear at this point that that did not come to fruition. Otherwise, he would not be able to play. Like if Doug did not make grades, he would not be able to play. Um, I was alerted. I spoke on this on the preview with uh, Brian Ralph yesterday for the Michigan – Maryland game. 
I was alerted from two different sources that told me yesterday there was a good chance Doug would be available for some games, but not others. That's all I was told. Obviously, you can't report that. I was told it about six hours before Doug Instagrammed it himself. So um, my understanding of how this happened is this is some sort of probation where Doug's academics are the issue, 100%. It's been a known issue. In the end, he was eligible. Like he did meet whatever mark he needed. I believe at Michigan, the specific rule is you need uh, a 1.8 GPA to be eligible. You need a 2.0 GPA to be full go, no probation, no punishments, no nothing. So a little bit of speculation, but with reason, would point to Doug made the 1.8 mark, did not make the 2.0 mark. And this is now a punishment handed down either from the university or from the basketball coaches themselves. My brother in Christ, Doug. I mean, a 2.0, man, just show up. But it's okay. I understand it. I understand the probation portion of it. I still can't fathom the actual suspension, like the the home game away game thing. It's just it 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 just adds to the clown show that is Michigan basketball this year. And once again, the surrounding narrative around this is I've never seen a suspension like this. What do you mean it's only and like all Michigan has been in the news for this whole season is people questioning, like, what are they doing? And it usually ends with what are they doing on the court, but it starts with other stuff. Like, what is Juwan doing getting into altercations? What is this coach doing? Is he back or is he not back for Atlantis? Uh, is he the actual head coach? Why is he getting attacked when he's not the head coach? Who's coaching this game? Oh, we're in Pennsylvania. Phil Martelli's the coach. Uh, and now you got this with Doug and the suspension that has, is setting a precedent that we haven't seen before. So it's just – it's a lot, man. Um, obviously, Michigan fans don't care because their football team is good. Uh, but to me, this is like when you have a star student kid, right? That's Michigan football. And then you have the other sibling that gets put on the wayside. That's Michigan basketball. And they're lashing out and they're doing things and they're crying out for attention. But no one really cares because the star child's so great. And that's what Michigan basketball has been doing all season. They're an unruly child that wants attention, and they've been lashing out. Yeah, you know who cares? You. Me. <laughs> I, I care. <laughs> um, I'm really sad about this. Uh, yeah, so where to go with this? Um, just want to, like, broadly step back and do a pulse check on this, but let's make sure everybody's aware. In the last four calendar days – the head coach of my six and nine basketball team has willingly stepped aside and opted to not head coach his team in a game they needed to win for, I don't know, like, I guess, honorary purposes, to not use a word, like, just unserious, hey, give this guy his moment, I'm not going to coach tonight. And then four days later, he has now suspended the best player on his team for an academic issue that honestly, like I I'm struggling with the concept of this. Like if, if he's eligible, he should play. If he's not eligible. He should sit. If they're like, I, to me, there's not really a gray area with that. And I get that technicality wise. There is like there, there is a rule at the university that there's a probation 
element, a probationary period. To me, this this suspension means somebody negotiated something. Like, it, it probably came down to Doug being like, yeah, my grades suck because we're traveling and I'm missing class and I'm missing this. And so people were like, okay, then don't travel. Doug's like, okay. Like, I, to me, but <laughs> I, I don't get, like, it's it shouldn't have ever gotten to this point. And if it did get to this point, he should either play or not. And whether or not the school handed down the punishment or not, as a guy running the program, you can decide what you want to do. So Juwan had a decision. Even if you give everybody the best case version of like what you believe happened here, Juwan then had a decision at the end of all of this of you can either have your point guard in and out of the lineup, only play 50% of your games, distract everybody, become a national news story where you're going to get clowned for this, and so is he. Everyone's going to have scrutiny. Or you could just suspend him and not have him, which, again, is scrutiny. But it's less of a clown show. It would probably help guys like Jalen Llewellyn and George Washington III and Olivier Conwa and Damari Burnett to know who's going to be with their team and to have some consistency in practice. Like I, If Doug's not with the team for these six games, I'd rather him not be with the team at all, truly. So they, they don't know. They don't know who's going to be their point guard. They don't know who's going to be their coach. They, they don't know do. Who's their strength coach. They, <laughs> they they do. It's just mandated dates, which makes no sense to me. Um, it feels unprecedented. It feels like this is nothing that has ever happened before in college basketball that I've seen, and that maps with everything else with Michigan basketball right now. A um, couple more quick points for me to summarize the Juwan Howard era. Um, you know it the narrative always becomes something that it shouldn't be with every little thing that happens. Like we can't talk about the games. We have to talk about the handshake line. We can't talk about the practices. We have to talk about the strength coach altercation. We can't talk about the transfer portal. We have to talk about admissions. We can't talk about our star point guard anymore. We have to talk about his academics and we can't even talk about his academics we have to talk about the unorthodox punishment that we've never – like nothing makes sense, and it all comes from one guy, and it's so frustrating. I've beat a dead horse on it. Um, but I don't know. Like do you think there there is a world where like Ewing Theory – like I, I saw it in person. We've seen it for three games now. The team is clearly frustrated with Doug. Is there a world where they remove Doug and everything looks better somehow or no? No. Not a chance. They're going to look worse. A lot worse, I think. Yeah. Which is scary because they, they're already worse. Scary because they're already bad. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm i going to be betting Maryland alternate line tonight. They're only six-point favorites. I will be shocked if Maryland doesn't win this game by 20 or more points. Um, it's going to be disastrous on the court for sure. Uh, uh. I'm just laughing at the fact that they're in the meeting and they're like, all right, Juwan, so he's eligible but he's close. Do you want to suspend him or not suspend him? And he goes, he takes a deep thought, plays with his chin a little bit. I got it. Home games, eligible. Away games, ineligible. Send. Like, come on. The only thing I'll say there, because I, I truly don't know. You might be right. That's exactly what happened. This might have been something the university came up with and not Juwan, which is still not a good look for Juwan, but – um, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to criticize Jawan pointedly for this. I think it's uh, the whole, everything, the school, the program, all of it have a responsibility in this. It never should have gotten to this point. Like this being a punishment for someone's grades to me, it's like, 
say that like I had to run a marathon this June, right? Like I, I don't mm. run too much. I run a mile every morning, normally in the summer. I've been running in the winter. You get to June. I have to run a marathon, right? Never ran a marathon before. That's a hard thing to do. Should probably prepare for that. Like maybe do some check-ins on where I'm at running. Like, you know, maybe every two weeks in January, like see how far I can go without stopping or see what my mile time is or, you know, just kind of work up my strength physically so that I'm capable of that. This would be like what happened to Doug would be like if I just woke up and found out, oh, I have to run a marathon today and I'm not ready for it. So the morning of the marathon, I decided to just run a marathon before the marathon and it doesn't work and I fail. And then as punishment for that, like I just have to run a marathon once a week for the next six. Like it doesn't, none of it made sense. The The issue was the preparation for this moment, not the moment. And they're left in a shitty spot. Everybody's going to be screwed. Um, and the last thing I'll, I'll add is this. This is going to hurt me more than anything I've ever said on the show, but I got to say it. This is your fault, Doug. This is your fault. It's your fault. You are as unserious as your head coach is right now. And I love you. You are my favorite Michigan basketball player in six years. I've been so, so much enjoyment watching you play basketball. You letting this get to this point academically is sad. Uh, and honestly, like, I'm not going to get too upset over the announcement of this. But like, can you please just think? Like, you, you need some people advising you on how to behave and how to do things. And I don't think you're taking anything serious. I don't think your announcement of this was serious at all. I think it's a horrible look for the program. I think it's a horrible look for you. And uh, look, right now, Doug McDaniel's basketball career is headed down a horrible path. And he's way too talented for this. And whether that means he needs a new start to get out and get right, or whether that means he just needs to take some personal accountability and have a 2.1 GPA and, and maybe contribute to winning, because when Doug was good this season, Michigan was kind of winning some games. Remember that? Then Doug yeah. fell off a cliff, and then everything else fell. So uh, I think it needs to be said that this is Doug's fault, too. It's not It's not just the coach's fault that his point guard is handling himself the way he is. I agree. But Sad times. Been. Sad times. All right. Uh, I want to talk about Matt Painter briefly. Um, this was a big discussion in our Discord yesterday. Purdue fans might want to mute me on this one, but we'll talk it through. I don't think I'm being overly disrespectful on this. Matt Painter had another press conference moment this week after the Nebraska loss in Lincoln. Uh, I watched the full press conference, by the way. Matt Painter was very complimentary, as he always is. He's one of my favorite listens in the conference. When they lose a game, when they win a game, the two guys I like listening to most are Matt Painter and Brad Underwood. And... Matt did all the normal Matt Painter press conference things. He praised Nebraska, said how well they played, said all the right things. Then he went on a diatribe for about two, two and a half minutes on court storming, how dangerous it is, how they need to set some guidelines. They need to protect everyone because something bad is going to happen. Um, That, of course, became the viral moment. None of the clips of him praising Nebraska went around, but the clips of him you know, having his court storm upset moment is what went around. Uh, in the process, he said that his juniors have never won a game on the road in conference play without being court stormed. That is factually incorrect. Uh, now, I get, I sound stupid for making a big deal that it's nine out of 10 and not 10 out of 10, but 
to me, there's an element of this that I want to talk about that's frustrating me with Painter. Michigan State did not storm the court when they beat Purdue a couple years ago. Um, so it happens a lot to them. It doesn't happen every single time that they lose a road game. They've lost 10 road games in these guys' career. They're 12 and 10 on the road in Big Ten play. So it's not like they've only lost three games and been court stormed every time. This has happened 10 times in three years, two and a half years. And uh, I feel like he's mentioned it before. This is the first time Matt Painter has kind of been like, let's make this a moment. And uh, it's an interesting one to me. So what do you make of Matt Painter's comments? Do you like them? Do you agree? Do you think it was a good or bad look? Uh, can, I, can, I, can I play both sides of it on this? Is we, that don't normally, we don't normally like doing that, but yeah, give me your feelings. Okay, because initially it is very, very important that the player's safety is is a thing. It is. Like that that's massive. Um, and that should never that should always be the main priority, no matter what in college athletics. It's all about the player safety. Um, with that said, this was just like dramatic to me. It was it's just it, I'm sorry, it's just dramatic to me. And I know people aren't gonna like it, but it it just is. Um especially because this happened – you would think this comment happened after an incident. Nothing happened. Like, they got off the court. It was fine. Um, students are going to storm the court against your team. You're good. Would you rather them not storm the court because you suck and they should beat you? Like, that. Ha- that, that that's what comes with the territory. Um, I'm all for, like, letting college students be college students, and if court storming is a part of that, I mean, I'm with that. And – the funny part about the quote to me was it's not just the athletes that are are in danger. It's it's everyone. It's the scorekeepers. It's the staff. It's everybody. Like, it's just a complete free-for-all mosh pit on the court, and, like, all the Purdue fans and players and staff and athletic training staff are just in hell. So, it's – I don't know. It was just – it was odd to me. I get it. And also, like, that's his job, too. Like, as a coach, he's supposed to protect his players on the court, off the court as much as he can. That is his job. He probably goes into recruits' houses, parents' houses, and is like, I got your son. He's going to be fine with us, and I respect that. But this was just a little – I don't know. It was just weird to me, um, weird timing, and, um, yeah, uh, just just odd to me. Yeah, okay. So I, I had the bigger problem with it than you did, and it's not because I had a problem with anything he said. It's a problem with – where I think Matt Painter is taking some things generally in his post-game conferences right now, which, which frustrate me. Um, he's right. We need to make this safer. He's absolutely right. Is the time to have this conversation immediately after losing by 16 in Lincoln, Nebraska, in a game where, by the way, a Purdue legend who was calling the game, Robbie Hummel, was caught on a hot mic saying how disappointing the crowd was? Is that that's <laughs> the time? Like, Robbie Hummel literally is like, yeah, this is really disappointing. There's not a lot of people here. And then now it's a dangerous environment after you get 16 pieced. Like I, I don't know. I think you could have had this conversation days later. Um, I think he's had the conversation before and I get it, but this one in particular was just a little like added spice to it for a variety of reasons. Um, Second, if you are going to have the conversation You can do it without asserting Purdue's role in how good they are in the conference to me. Like Matt Matt Painter could have came in here and said exactly what he said about, hey, we need to keep everybody safe. Like court storming is dangerous. He could have said all of that without making the point that, well, 
my juniors have done this more than anyone. Like my my juniors, I don't know if you know this, we get court stormed three times a week every week for three years because we're that much better than everyone else in the conference. And Purdue fans are going to tell me that's not what he was saying. He didn't even have the facts correct. Like he he's talking like the big dog in the Big Ten, which is totally fair for the record. Totally fair because Purdue has been the big dog in the Big Ten. But a comment like this, which to me had a snide element of it of, well, this happens to us all the time. It doesn't happen to anybody else. Is something I would expect from your coach. It's something I would expect for Tom Izzo. And I would make fun of it if it came from Tom Izzo. Uh, I, Matt Painter, to me, has always been the most respectful coach in this conference. One of the most respectful coaches in the country. And like I said, the bulk of this press conference was extremely respectful. That's who Matt Painter is. I have so much admiration for that. But this year, there's been just this hint of entitlement to what he says in games after losses. And it's really strange to me, Cart, because he had the whole thing earlier this year about you don't know basketball. That didn't feel very Painter-esque. This moment to, to make it about, well, my juniors have never, ever won a game without being court-stormed. One, that's not true. Two, okay? <laughs> like, I... I just, I don't know. He's talking like someone who's really gotten to the mountaintop. And let's remind you, you haven't gotten to the mountaintop. Like, like, yeah, you are the best team in the Big Ten. You still got a lot of things to do here, my guy. Teams get court-stormed. Good teams get court-stormed. And I, I just, I don't know. It's like I said, it's something I would expect from Izzo. It's not something I would expect from Painter. And I, I think it's weird, and it, it probably speaks to where he's at mentally a little bit, which is strange to me. On, uh, it's, uh, we talked about how we how some of the Purdue players might be fighting demons. That was a demons are speaking to me type post conference, like press conference. Yeah. Like how can I lash out in this moment? Yeah. And uh, look, it's better that Purdue players fight demons than it is Northwestern fans, by the way, <laughs> if we're having that conversation, because the only, oh, like he, he talking about how dangerous it is. The only dangerous thing that's happened in the, Oh, I don't know. Every game they've been court stormed against was a Purdue player punching a fan. What like has anyone anyone involved with Purdue gotten hurt in this? No. Have no. have have fans gotten hurt because of a Purdue player? Yeah. So I just I don't know. I I like I said I thought I missed the mark and um I'm making a big deal out of it. I'm sure Purdue fans aren't going to like that, but to me this is a clear sign. Like paints paints not behaving like paint right now, and it's strange to me. And I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, uh, it's odd. Just odd. With that said, you are the big dogs, and you're going to keep getting court stormed. So, also, if if I heard this correctly, have they lost? Are the juniors twelve and ten on the road in their career? Twelve and ten on the road in Big Ten play. Yep. Interesting. We, we acting like that's not a really good mark. It's hard to win on the road, no, man. No. Yeah. Oh no, it's definitely hard. It's interesting. Yeah. All right. I, the one thing I will say I like about this is that um, it sets the precedent that we can lie without repercussion. I like that a lot because I guess no, like not liars. Well, but like it, apparently you can just lie. And then if somebody points out that you lied, it's you make fun of the person who pointed it out because you don't have to be correct. You just need to be close. So True. to that point, um, Purdue has actually made the final four six consecutive years. Because they always make the final four. They don't. It's never happened. His seniors have never not 
made the final four. That's what I heard. So, okay. all right. Um, you want to talk football real quick? <laughs> Just real quick now. A uh, couple NFL games that I think are worth previewing here. Uh, Steelers and the Bills. Steelers kind of, I don't want to say limped into the playoffs, but for many points throughout the season, I don't think people expected this to be a playoff team. Now they catch Buffalo, who did not have the best season. They still end up in a tie for the AFC division crown. Six losses from the Bills this year. Uh, they are the home team in this spot. Does Pittsburgh have a chance here, yes or no? Uh, I, I don't think they have any chance. They're going to be without their best defensive player in TJ Watt. They got to go on the road um, to beat the Bills. It's really hard to beat the Bills. Buffalo Bills fans are wild. Uh, and Mason Rudolph is the quarterback for the Steelers. And, yes, I get it. He's actually been pretty solid these past couple weeks. Uh, George Pickens has been a factor. The new offensive coordinator, I think, has done actually wonders for that offense. But I just don't think this team has enough. Um, and, and and not having T.J. Watt is is massive because T.J. Watt is a disruptor, and he can be the type of player to disrupt and make Josh Allen turn the ball over, who Josh Allen is a guy who's very prone to turning the ball over. So without him, I just don't see them having enough enough gusto to go on the road and beat the Bills at their place. Yeah, I love when you use the word gusto, first of all. Um, I, I shouldn't have said limped in because they actually won three straight games, including at Seattle, at Baltimore, to make the playoffs. I mean, it, the, the last one, Baltimore didn't play anybody, but right. they did. Right. Uh, I, I would like to say this. Mason Rudolph is an upgrade over Kenny Pickett to me. Um, and that alone has me like, I'll raise my eyebrow a little bit because I, I don't think this Buffalo team has been dominant. And I think they're a team that could be dominant, but like we've seen them play down to competition. We've seen them leave the door open for lesser teams. And if they were playing a quarterback, I didn't trust at all. I would be like, yeah, it's over. I kind of think Mason Rudolph's kind of good. <laughs> also the bills aren't that great. Like I've seen teams really run against the, bills like last year this year a couple games you know Jay, Jalen Warren and Najee Harris are one of the better running back combos in the NFL if they can just run the ball pound the ball be successful with that and then maybe take advantage of a Josh Allen mistake or two there maybe they tighten up being the favorite I could see I could see a world you could make an argument so with that said bills <laughs> we're in the middle of a thing where like a lot of the great coaches in football are just like quitting or, or getting fired. Right. Like Pete Carroll steps down. Um, Belichick is out. Nick Saban steps down and it started making me think like, who are the guys that are on the list of guys that no matter who their team is, I don't want to see in the playoffs or in a, in a single game setting. Mike Tomlin is on that list for sure. For me. Yes. 100%. And I, I don't think he's the greatest coach in the world, but I don't care who his players are. Like, I, I don't care if TJ Watts out. I don't care if his quarterback's out. Whoever he's got, I feel like is going to show up in a playoff game. And I can't say the same for Buffalo. Um, you have a big list of quarterbacks. We've talked about this offline for years. We've been at bars drinking in Iowa City about this. You have a big list of quarterbacks that you trust and quarterbacks you don't trust. Is Josh Allen on your trust side? No. That's a no, little scary. But it's also like, at the same time, Josh Allen could play like an MVP, but I don't trust him. Okay. 
turns the ball over too much. Yeah. Yeah, that's – and, again, if T.J. Watt was here, I would really believe in Pittsburgh. Without him, I'm just, like, half believe in them. I believe uh, – this is spread in this game. Ten points, Buffalo favored by ten at home. Who are you taking to cover? Who are you taking to win? I'll take Buffalo to cover. Still blowout? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take Pittsburgh to cover. I think this is a final drive football game. That's where I'm at. And uh, I don't even – I'm not going to predict which team I don't know. If it's um, if it's Pittsburgh, Mason Rudolph pick ends the game. If it's Buffalo, Josh Allen legacy drive ends the game. At the end of the day, that's that's the difference to me. Fun one. Yeah, I, I, I think it'll be close, but I think Bills pull away to cover at the end. Okay. All right. Uh, the second NFL game we want to do quickly here, Green Bay Packers, Dallas Cowboys. This should be – your Detroit Lions, our Detroit Lions, in a home playoff game against the Packers, based on how the seeding shook out, it is not. Green Bay has really shown signs of life late in the season. They beat our Detroit Lions in a game that is still one that I have regret over. They won three straight entering the playoffs, a couple road wins over Carolina and Minnesota, big win over the Bears in the final week of the season. This is Jordan Love's playoff debut against Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, who are no stranger to playoff letdowns, Dallas minus seven is the line. What do you got? Uh, quietly, Jordan Love has been playing like one of the better quarterbacks in in the NFL, which is crazy to me. I, I did not see that coming whatsoever. But these last couple of weeks, he's just been playing like really, really good football. They're getting good production on guys like Jaden Reed and Wicks and all that receiving core he has. And I'm not sure if Christian Watson will be back for this game or not. I know he had a hamstring issue, but, you know, they got Aaron Jones back, which I think helps a lot. And, look, you can say what you want. Dallas is always going to be dealing with, like, these playoff demons, uh, and that's always going to be a thing. And I feel like that's going to be in the back of their head. But then it's hard not to be like, this Dallas defense is just something very serious. Like, us Lions fans saw what this Dallas defense looks like. So – I, I don't know which way I lean. I'm probably going to flip back and forth. I think that the Packers do cover the spread, but I think that the Cowboys win the football game. Okay. So I have flipped on this. Jordan Love has been phenomenal in the stretch run. In fact, you and I were making a lot of Jordan Love jokes early. Um, we've had to walk those back significantly. Like Jordan, Jordan Love is not a guy I want to see in the division now for the next 10 years. He was, yes. uh, I still think Detroit's going to be fine against them, but he he is a guy I give respect to. And I'm like afraid of part of, I think Jordan Love coming on a little more is that he actually has a good receiver now, instead of guys, everyone pretends are good uh, because Christian Watson and Romeo, Dubs, I love Romeo Dobbs. He's one of my favorite players ever in football history. Truly. I used to bet on him in the, in the college yep. days all the time. And we had to pretend those guys were good, right? Everybody kept talking about what a combo, what a lethal combo. Those guys aren't that good. Like Jaden Reed walked in as a rookie and is immediately the best receiving threat that green Bay has. Now, when you put all three on the field together, that does make a dynamic group, but he has a number one. It's Jaden Reed. He's been awesome. We saw it at Michigan State. So I think that's a big part of love looking better. Has is Reed has gone from like a bit guy early in the season to a, a wide receiver one in the second half of the year. Um, problem is Dallas is better everywhere here, right? Dak's better than Jordan Love. Tony Pollard's the best running back in this game. CD Lamb's the best receiver in this game. Dallas is by far the better defense, and they're at home. So like. Like, where? what's the formula? Like, what's the game script for Green Bay to win this game? Dak mistakes? Yeah, Dak folding. 
That's it though. That's because it. like I think that's I think I think that is it is that Dak doesn't even have to play amazing. If Dak plays okay and doesn't fold, they win this football game. Right. Because that like Jordan Love's not gonna be able to do the whole like throwy throwy catch catch thing in this game, right? But he also might be maybe it'll do the throwy throwy catch catch, maybe run run thing. Oh, you think so? Yeah, he's he's I mean he that's a that's something that could give him trouble. I think the only place he's running in this game is backwards. Um I trust Dallas's defense a lot. I'll say that. Like if I'm if I'm going through the entire NFL playoffs and picking out like either players or units that I'm like no doubt no matter the matchup I believe in that. Dallas's defense is in my top 3. Like Pat Mahomes is up there. Um I might have to even think of a second before I get to Dallas. Like they're, they're that good to me. And at the end of the day, this is Jordan Love's playoff debut against the Dallas defense in Dallas. Like I thought I would take Green Bay to cover. The more I think on it, I think Dallas wins in a blowout. And then I think those quote unquote demons would arrive in the next round, not in the first round against Jordan Love. And who do they arrive in the next round against? Uh, well, I'll save that preview for tomorrow, Cart, but it's a 50 50 shot in my eyes. Sounds good. Scares me. Scares me. Okay. I'm nervous. I just realized we have a playoff game this week. I'm nervous. I'm really really scared. One big thing presented by Big B. What do you got? Uh, My one big thing is a a change to the court storm process. Um, And here's how how it goes. Here's my Matt Painter pitch. You actually give a chance for any players or staff to leave the floor before the court is stormed. With that said, if they don't get off in time and they are caught in the court storm, it's a free for all from that point. Like it could be a mosh pit. A player could get hit. A player could hit a fan. It's okay from that point, but you can only court storm once a month. I You had me until the once a month thing. You want it every time? Well, aren't you? You're pro court storm, right? Yeah, but like I'm pro court storm. Like you got to see me though. Like if I was a part of a court storm, and like a Louis Savona bumps into me, like I'm 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 doing something about it. Also, like if you were storming a court, would it really be a court storm, or would it be more of like a court drizzle? If you were storming a court, would it be a court storm, or would it be a capital storm? <laughs> Damn it. That's so good. Uh 1-0 cart this round. That was really, really nice. Um Thank you. so yeah, I mean, I like the theory. I actually I love the clock theory. So imagine like the final buzzer sounds. And imagine this is instituted across the entire sport, where the same way, like the, there's the shot clock, and we've seen it with the Breslin where they they count down the fake shot clock. Imagine the moment the game's game ends. 30 seconds is put on the shot clock and the entire arena is chanting down the 30 seconds. The players are just getting out of there. There's no handshake line or it's a quick handshake. And then they're sprinting to get out of there. Everybody's gone. And at 30, everyone can go nuts. Like the, the in arena people can even like play some music to go with it. Like that would be so hype. I love that idea. I think we should institute it college basketball wide. Uh, With that said, my one big thing presented by big B is this. I plea to Big Ten teams that are not Purdue. I'm now speaking to 13 different member institutions of the Big Ten Conference. When you beat Purdue this year at home, 
Not if, when, because remember, they're just over 500 on the road against your teams in the last two and a half calendar years. When you beat Purdue at home, the same way Northwestern and Nebraska just did, don't storm the court. Just don't storm the court anymore. I don't want to see a team storm the court against Purdue again this season because God's gift to coaching Matt Painter is just real sick. He's real sick of being court stormed every time they lose in three years. And uh, you know what? Fine. Let's let's respect his wishes. Let's respect. When our God says sit, we sit down. So don't storm the court. Let, let his players do what they want after their inevitable losses on the road. That's my plea. That's my one big thing. I like that. Wouldn't that be nice, though? Just a little bit of humble pie for the coach when he loses that, hey, hey, your team doesn't need to be court-stormed anymore? A little bit on top of that, if we could implement it, I'd want the whole stadium just to go silent and sit in their seat. Or stay, no, stand, but go silent and literally just, just, stare, just stare at them. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Just stare at Mason Gillis. Just stare at Fletcher Lawyer. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's the show. We'll see you Friday. Riley Friday is going to join the show again. Maybe not without Carter Elliott. He's TBD. That's tomorrow. Goodbye.